Oh, good morning. I love the Word of God, and I love praise and worship. And there's a reason for that. One of the reasons is that the things of God are so often counterintuitive. Don't you find that? And as I read the Word of God, I see people who go through many of the same battles that I go through. And I see them going through situations that are quite hard at times hard. And I know you go through situations that are desperately hard as well. And I know that there are times when worshipping God seems like the very last thing you want to do. The soul is dry, the mouth is dry, the mind is distracted because there's so much going on. But the Word of God is here for us to go through those situations. Well, welcome to church today, and I pray that as we look at your heart, you'll experience a new sense of rest, protection, and safety, and freedom to call on God in time. Well, we're in part three of the series called Come to Worship. In the first week, we talked about lifting up holy hands to God. And last week, we talked about bringing our gifts to God. And next week, we'll talk about kneeling before God. Thank you. Next week, we'll play, pray for technology. <laughs> but today, we're going to talk about something that you may not think. Thank you. Today, we're going to... <laughs> Today we're going to talk about something that you may not think of as, as a form of worship, but in so many ways I believe this will connect your soul, intimacy with God. Today's title is Pour Out Your Heart. Now, pouring out your heart before God is an act of worship, as I've said. And we're not going to just worship Him from our minds. And the unfortunate thing is, I, I said that it was counterintuitive, the unfortunate thing is that so often we try to worship God just with our minds. And he does give us a mind to think things through, but he desires our heart. We're going to try to worship. We're going to enter the area of worshipping from the depth of our soul. Now, as we head into the Christmas period, some of you may feel very blessed and overwhelmed with gratitude. And it may be quite easy for you to move into a place of worship and thankfulness. Uh, and the appropriate response is, of course, to pour out your hearts as an act of worship. But some of you now are struggling. And you may feel very alone or lost, particularly if you've lost someone. Or you may be facing a medical challenge. Or you're in a very difficult relationship. Or financial things are, are quite hard. And you may feel that you're just existing rather than truly living. And that's why it's important to realize that worshipping God, especially worshipping God with our whole hearts, is not just a religious ritual. 
It's not something about, not simply about giving God the praise he deserves even, as proper as that is. It's also about receiving freedom from him. That's his heart. And our hearts and minds need to realise that. So I want first of all to look at a sample, or a couple of samples from David. King David went through many trials. I'm sure you remember those. In Psalm 142, 2-5, he says this, I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see, there is no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. But I cry out to you, Lord, and I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Isn't that incredible that... You know, it, many, many, many years ago, in hard times, the man who desired to be closer to God, in desperate circumstances and abandoned by other people, realizes suddenly, you are my refuge, God. You are my portion in the land of the living. And he says, I pour out before the Lord my complaint. Notice he's not really saying, he's not saying things like, oh God, I really like you. And of course we, we do like God. <laughs> but we need to have a, a spiritual life which is so much more. And he's not saying even, oh God, you're wonderful, as true as that is. Not right at this moment. He's saying... He's being real. He's saying, God, my life is difficult. And he pours out his complaint before God, which raises the issue that, is it okay to be real before God? Is it? He says, I pour out my trouble. And he does what? He says the next portion aloud. I cry to my God. I cry to you, Lord. Uh, in some circles, that might be regarded as a little bit disrespectful. You know, we like to keep things fairly tame and under control, and we like to be nice. And, but this man's in a desperate situation, and I know some of you are at the moment, and I know that there will be times in the future when you and I will be again. So we need to be real. We need to cry out to God. And it, David uses this same phrase in another portion of Scripture, in Psalm 62, 8, where he says, Trust in the Lord at all times, you people. And then what does he say to do? He says, Pour out your hearts to him. Cry from the depth of your soul to God. We don't necessarily like to go to the depth of our soul, do we? Sometimes, there's, uh, as they say in some of the uh, stories and, uh, and the personality traits, they say devils be there, you know, dragons be there. Uh, there's scary things there, perhaps. Maybe we don't like to go that deep. But God's heart for us is so great. His love for us is so great. 
and he calls on us to dig deep. And we can do that safely because he's our refuge. God was David's refuge. God's was Israel's refuge. And God is our refuge. On the issue of safety, in the Old Testament, there were six cities. Six cities of refuge. And if you had uh, the misfortune to have a car crash, (laughs) I don't think there were car crashes in those days, but... If you had the misfortune to kill someone, and it wasn't deliberate, the risk was that you would be killed too. But even the God who set in place the laws of eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth and all the rest of it, that God, that same God, is a God of mercy. And he set up, uh, through the rulership of Israel, Six cities where you could go and be safe. And it's a pattern. It shows us his heart. As children, we sought refuge in many places where we felt safe, didn't we? Now, some of you, I know, used to run and jump into bed because you thought that something was under the bed and it would grab you. Others of you may have hidden in the wardrobe or under the house, because you were after a place of safety. And God is concerned with safety as well. Safety is something we all need as adults as well. It's not just for children. The good news is that God wants to provide us all with real safety, not just an illusion of safety. It's not just positive thinking. God really is our refuge. He is our safe place. Who of you are parents here? Are there many of your parents? Well, maybe you identify with this. I have five grown-up children, and they all have their own families. But sometimes they want to talk things over. Why do they do that? Because they want to feel safe. And I feel quite honoured that my children would come to me, even as adults, even with their own children, because they would like to check things out and feel safe. How lovely it is that God has put me in a place where I can provide some degree of safety for them and assurance. But as we think about that, let's think about our Heavenly Father. Because our Heavenly Father, strangely enough, needs to be needed by you. Isn't that an awesome thought? We think of him as being great and out there and powerful. Maybe we've reached the spirituality stage where we understand that he loves us personally and he wants to be in a relationship with us. But oddly enough, he needs us. There are two things I want to touch on just as we go on. And the first is the importance of remembering. As we head in this direction, I want to encourage you to remember what God has done in your past. Maybe it hasn't been a great deal. Maybe it's been a recent journey with God for you. But if you've been following Jesus for some time, then you can probably find and remember 
many times that God has been there for you in desperate circumstances. Reflect back on his goodness and God's faithfulness in the past. In fact, let's look at Psalm 42 for a moment. We're not sure who wrote Psalm 42, but most scholars believe it was David. And they believe it was at a time when Absalom, his son, had rebelled against him. What a horrible situation for any father or any parent where the child rebels. There is a certain amount of rebellion, I guess, that goes with a young child becoming an adult. They have to individuate. They have to find out who they are. And if we remember, we can remember the times when we did that as well. But in Psalm 42, it's a serious situation. Absalom has rebelled against David. And a lot of people were saying to David, we believe that God has turned against you, David. God has rejected you, David. And David was at a very low point in his life, if indeed this was David writing it. In verse 3, here's what he says. He says, my tears have been my food day and night. Do you ever feel like that? There are times in life when you do, I'm sure. You cry yourself to sleep, you're hurting, you feel alone. My tears have been my food, he says. He says, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? In other words, if you're serving God, why is all this happening in your life? And people say that, don't they? Sometimes you may feel like this. Where is God? Then in verse 4, there is this key part of the verse. Here's what David says. He, he says, these things I... What does he say? These things I remember. Remembering things can have true value to us. This is what he says. As I pour out my soul, these things I remember as I cry out to God. These things I remember as I ache from within. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. He says how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Almighty One with shouts of joy and praise among all the festive celebrations. And then something happens as he's doing this. It's like there's a gear shift change, even automatic maybe. <laughs> but there's a shift, there's a shift. You can almost hear the gears change on the inside of him. And it's as though he starts to preach to himself. How strange. He says, because these things I remember, why, my soul, are you so cast down? Why are you so disturbed within me? There's a, there's a difference developing between him and how he feels. And it's not the oppression, the depression, the, the blackness somehow is separating from him in his thoughts. And it's not him anymore. It's something there, but it's not him. And likewise, he turns to God. And he tells himself, put your hope in God, for yet I will praise him, my Savior and my God. And this is what I desire for you as you go through life and through the challenges, that you will have that gear change, that 
in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of the oppression, in the middle of the sickness, in the middle of saying to God, I don't know what's going to happen next, there'll be a gear change. And you'll say to yourself, perhaps the other self that's within you, perhaps the, the, the darkness, and you'll say to your soul, why am I downcast? Why am I disturbed? I put my hope in God, for I will praise him. He's not praising him right there, but he says, I will praise him. It will happen. Why? Because God is my saviour and my Lord. I don't know about you, but every now and again, uh, I'm crying out to God. I've got to recall the faithfulness of God. And these things I remember as I pour out my soul. And as you do this, remember the faithfulness of God in your past. In the Old Testament, there's another amazing story about Jeremiah. It's quite a long story about Jeremiah, isn't it, Jeff? <laughs> but it's well worth the read. And it's well worth the read because I think in the Bible it's a place where someone is really being real. <laughs> it, it happens elsewhere, but it's obviously a case of someone being real. And you see a guy, he's had a really bad month, <laughs> or more. And you read about what Jeremiah went through, and, and it's terrible. He's lost his family, he's lost his wealth, he's lost everything, he's lost his health. And he describes himself, I am a man who has seen much affliction. And for literally 20 verses in Jeremiah 3, he lays it all out. The pain, the anguish, the complaints. I think one of the good things about the story of Jeremiah to us is that it gives us permission to complain. I don't mean for you and I to go around being whinging all the time. <laughs> That's not what I mean. But many of us, if not most of us, try to keep it together. Especially in our relationship with God. We try to keep it together. God sort of says to us, well, how are you going? Ah, oh, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and some, think, some people think it's disrespectful to cry out to God, to lay it out as it really is. But listen, God already knows your heart anyway, and he needs to be needed, and he gives you permission to cry out to him this way. See how Jeremiah does it. In, in verse 19, he says this, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. That's really bad. And he says, I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. And then in verse 21, this is so powerful, he says, yet, do you hear the gear change? Yet, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. He says, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. 
And in the middle of his desperate cry from the soul, he recalls the goodness of God. Yet I call this to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of God's great love, where does he have hope? Because of God's love. Why are we not consumed by all these terrible things that come against us? Because God's mercies never fail. The Bible tells us that they're new every morning. Are things going badly for you today? Guess what? God's grace, God's mercies are new to you tomorrow morning. And then watch, watch this. Jeremiah starts talking about God. He, he started talking about God. And now he's actually starting to talk to God. It was academic. It was, it was all mind. The gear shift changes. There's the yet. Therefore I have hope. And now he's talking to God. He says, great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. I call this to mind. Therefore I have hope. How does this work for you? Do you sometimes get so lost in in his presence, that you suddenly recall how he has helped you in the past? Some of you need to think back to what he's, been, what he's done for you in the past and remember his faithfulness. Think back when he called you into his kingdom and he forgave you everything. Do you remember the liberty, the freshness, the freedom of that moment. And if you haven't had that, you can. Remember when God answered a prayer one time and there was no way that it could have been anything else but God's answer. Remember when God healed a relationship when you thought there was no way that it would ever be restored. Remember the time when you were hurting so badly and felt alone and then you read the Bible verse. You've probably read it 20 times before. And yet this time, it suddenly came alive to you. Remember the time when you came to church and the message, it was like it was just for you. I know I've been in that situation. <laughs> I felt like it was just for me. But it was, it was just for me. In a sense, it was for everybody, but it was just for me because God stepped in and said, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you that it won't always be this way. I want to tell you that I love you. I want to tell you that I am your refuge. I want to tell you that there's a future and a hope. So let's turn to the future. We've looked at the past about remembering, but we also need future direction, don't we? It can be lovely or it can be terrifying to look back at the past. Uh, it can be encouraging, but it's also a place where sometimes we need to let go. The psalmist in Psalm 102 was at the lowest point that you can imagine. And some of you, if you're at that low point in your life, you understand what the psalmist is saying. He pours out his heart to God. 
Just listen to the honesty and sincerity from the depth of his soul. Hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I'm in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. In my distress I groan aloud, and I'm reduced to skin and bones. And then in verse 7, some of you can relate to this too. I lay awake. I can't sleep. My mind is so heavy at night, I become like a bird alone on a roof all day long. My enemies taunt me. I'm not sure I felt like a bird on a roof, <laughs> but, but there were moments of deep loneliness. And then there are three words that change this, what he has just said. Three words that change everything. Three words, and these three words alone will be the very reason that many of you are here at this moment. And the three words are this, but you, God. Circumstances are such, but you, God. My life is falling apart. I don't understand. I cry out to you, Lord, from the depth of my soul. My enemies taunt me, but you, Lord. But you, Lord, I don't understand. But you, God, are faithful. I don't have the ability, but you, God, are powerful. I feel alone, but you, God, are faithful. I don't know what to do, verse 12. But you, God, sit enthroned above it all. My God, he will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea, the Bible says. Our but you moment can lead to praise. Because God has the power to change things and we have been calling on him and we believe that he will. And if you remember the good things in the past, you'll remember that he did change things. So let us pour out our hearts. Let us be honest. You're going to let rip from the depths of your soul. We're not here to be as such decent. We're here to engage with God. Somehow God has given you the courage you need to be honest and transparent and even vulnerable. At some point as you do this, you will push through the pain to the point of praise. And you'll remind yourself, as Jeremiah did, that God has plans to bless you and prosper you and not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. And if you want to look that up, that's in Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13. I want to read a couple of verses, and we sometimes read them in a different way. But I think they apply in this context as well. And the first is Romans 13, 12, and it says this. Let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armour of light. Let us throw off sin and its entanglements. And let us throw off the heaviness and oppression and containment that Satan tries to put on us to tie us up. 
I think we all need to do that. I think if we're really honest, if we're really open, if we're really vulnerable, there's a place to admit that we have things that are still tying us up. And folks, it's time to let go of those. So Romans 13.12 says to cast off the works of darkness. We normally think about that as being some gross sin. But it may be just that we have allowed ourselves or even been unaware when Satan came along and he's put a pressure on us, he's tied us up. And the other is this, Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. At some point when you least expect it, you stop pleading and you start praising. Remembering that God says that he is very close to the brokenhearted. And suddenly out of your pain you find the ability to worship. Not because life feels good right now, but because God is good and he's good right now. But you, Lord, no matter what I'm going through, you are always faithful. So let us remember that God has been faithful in the past. Let's become aware that God is good in the present, even though things may not be pleasant. Present? Pleasant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Therefore, you can trust him with your future. We're going to watch a, a short video now. It's a song, and uh, the words will come up. And it's a time to worship, it's a time to contemplate, but if you need to cry out, then please feel free to do that. If you need to lie on the floor, feel free to do that. If you need to kneel, feel free to do that. Because this is a safe place. We have the God of all creation caring after us. We base our faith on his word and we welcome the Holy Spirit. <laughs>